This is Ratchet from Grave Robber, and you're listening to the classic Christian Rock Podcast with Wildman and Steve. <laughs> I want to welcome you once again to the Classic Christian Rock Podcast. Steve, my co-host, the Latin teacher, is with me once again. I don't know if I need to say that every time, Steve, but I'm kind of in the habit of saying that. But how are you doing today, sir? You know, um, I'm, I'm good. Um, <laughs> you know what really makes me good? Uh, it's, it's the blood. Um, the blood of Jesus, but blood makes me good. I don't know if that means anything to you, Pastor Wildman, but definitely blood makes me good. <laughs> yes, I, I think so. I think I understand exactly where you're coming from there. And, you know, I'm getting to the point, Stephen, I think our listeners are as well, where they're getting to the point where when I ask you that question, even though it's not a setup, you kind of treat it as one, and you find some way to do a perfect segue into what we are talking about today. Um, and so, I got to tell you, I don't prepare that. Right. I, I don't it's prepare that. Right, exactly. <laughs> all right. Well, before we get started, I do want to give one quick shout out. Um, one quick shout out. There's this guy named Brent that I want to shout out. And he has a website called Brent's um, Christian Rock Metal.com. And basically, what he has done is he has built a collection of uh, classic Christian items, albums, records, posters, books, you name it, some very rare items that are out of print. Um, and I would invite our listeners to go to classic, um, to go to uh, Brent's Christian Rock Metal.com and look that over. Great guy, and he will serve you well. So, ladies and gentlemen, um, here we are here today. We have Les Carlson, the front man, uh, the the front man and lead singer of Bloodgood, with us. Les, welcome to the program. How are you doing today, sir? Well, I'm doing great, and uh, I like you guys already. What a great intro! Yeah, the blood. <laughs> Thank you, the man. Blood. <laughs> the good blood of Christ, right? Or right. yeah, blood good and the good blood of Christ. That's that's why we do this show, and that's why we do. What we do, I guess, huh? Yeah, so absolutely. It's good to be here. Great. Well, we're, we're glad to have you. We're, we're just very honored that you've taken the time um, to spend with us. You know, um, you know, Steve, I'm sure has mentioned to you, but I have listened to you for many years and um, have always loved all of your work. Um, uh, any, anything from the Messiah all the way to a Lamb of God to go to go most recent. Um, it's just been exciting to watch Bloodgood and uh, and how you have been used of God. And we'll get into this a little bit later. But what I've appreciated the most about Bloodgood is uh, is the the uh, production side of things. That when you would go to a Bloodgood concert, that it's not just watching musicians play, but you're act you were actually putting some theater into it, so it made it more meaningful, uh, going back to the idea of Messiah. And so I, I want to just thank you personally for that and the difference that it made in my life watching that um, when I was growing up. Um, but I want to ask you today to begin with, Les, and this is a common question we ask the artists that come on the show, and I'm sure you've been asked this a million times, but just for our listeners, if you could just go back in a little bit in history and I know some of our listeners could get this from Trenches of Rock, the DVD that came out. Um, I, I've watched that. That gives us some of your history as well. But for you personally, when did you start um, feeling the passion or the need to get involved in music and, and to sing? Well, that was a um, long, long time ago when I was younger. Uh, I was, uh, you know, I just... Um, Oh, gosh, I'm going to talk about how old I am if I mention the artists that were inspiring me at the time. Um, but uh, at a very young age, I remember um, singing uh, Unchained Melody uh, to my grandmother one time. <laughs> and very cool. Because I'd heard it, and I probably did a poor job of it, but I remember sitting in a big chair, you know, kind of, here it is, I'm going to try and sing this for my grandma, and, 
and uh, uh, my grandma was kind of critical, actually, because she was a player, and uh, she was from old school. She never was really encouraging. Love you, Grandma. And uh, uh, after I became a Christian, uh, I really found a very, very close relationship with her, and she be- became a Christian. But she wasn't encouraging when I was younger. Uh, it's, I, I was raised in that time when children were to be seen and not heard kind of thing. So she loved me, but it was you understand, it was a different time. Um, but I had this desire to really want to want to do something with with singing. And then um, I remember I actually got to see Elvis Presley on the Ed Sullivan Show, and that really made uh, some big impact on me. And I'm still quite young at this point. And then later on, I was uh, when I was in junior high, I I saw the Beatles on Ed Sullivan. And now I was at that age where I could, you know, where I really thought, you know what, that's what I want to do. And I remember there was a, um, a study that we were having. Well, it wasn't, it was an assignment and the, it was a vocational assignment. What do you want to do when you grow up? And I didn't really know. But when I saw the Beatles on Ed Sullivan, that was it. I just went, that's what I want to do. So, uh, I had no training or anything like that, but uh, I bought their albums and I started singing in the basement, just mimicking everything that they did. And, and then it was the stone. And then, uh, you know, I went on to James Brown and, um, you know, Wilson Pickett. I started liking the rhythm and blues mm. and mm. I like Janis Joplin. And there was a singer uh, from California named Lee Michaels. Uh, that played, uh, this is like maybe 60s. And by this time, I'm really into it. You know, I'm I'm trying to sing everything I can sing and had a band when I was 15 and have, have always had a group. And uh, so I really was really uh, into trying to create some kind of style out of it. But this guy, Lee Michaels, uh, he had this real high uh, kind of, you know, he just went real high. And that really impressed me. And I didn't realize how much I would end up using that until years later when I got into Bloodgood after I'd been born again and, of course, uh, then started singing for the Lord. Did that cover it? I went all the way back to Grandma. <laughs> oh, man. And then was, I mean, I think I got it great. all right there. Yeah, that's okay. great. Well, so Listen, anybody, that can, anybody can put their grandma in James Brown in the same story. In the There's, same I mean, that, that, story, you know? That's not yeah. easy. <laughs> but I did. That is great. Yeah. And I, it's a first. I, 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 <laughs> first well, in the you know, Wildman, you, you, you referenced um, kind of, kind of the, the theater uh, of, of Blood Good in terms of performances and so forth. And I have to confess, I'm not even sure of the name of our guest tonight. I mean, I, I understand Les Carlson, but I, I seem to think that you've gone by the name uh, Claude Hooper Bukowski. Um, at oh, one yeah. Uh, yes. From the musical Hair. So mm-hmm. talk to us a little bit about that in terms of musical theater and then how your time in musical theater, especially with Hair, really then uh, fed into the blood good performances. Well, okay, I'm glad you asked that. Um, Claude Hubabikowski, yes. Um, when I was, um, when I, I think I was probably 18 years old and I decided that no matter what, I am going to end up, I am going to sing for a living. If I can't make money singing, then I starve. That was kind of my, my thing. And of course I starved and, uh, and uh, <laughs> you know... <laughs> I, I, I played in the Seattle circuit. Um, we did quite well in the Seattle circuit, but it, there wasn't a lot of money there, you know, because everything, you had, by the time you bought your, all your amplifiers and your PA and all that stuff, there was just no money. There was a little bit of uh, uh, notoriety and, and experience, of course, but, um, and I was doing that, and then one, one day I heard that there was this Broadway musical coming, to Seattle, and they were going to audition for people that would be in this show called Hair. And so I got the album, and I started just learning the songs. And uh, 
So I did the same thing. You know, I just, I learned the songs. And I went down and auditioned for the show. And of course, when I went down, there was like, there was a thousand people <laughs> in a line, you know, out down around the block and, and uh, all a bunch of hippie looking folks. And uh, I thought to myself, ah, I don't know. You know, this is, this sh- it's a long shot. But I decided, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get in line and do it. And uh, I actually did an original song. I brought a keyboard player with me. I did an original song for my audition. And they said, okay, can you come back, uh, you know, whatever it was, next Wednesday or whatever. And so, yeah, I made the first I made the first cut, and I did that a few times, and I got into the show. There was 60 folks that they had picked, and um, they put us in two categories. They put 30 of us backstage, as they called our names, and there was 30 on the stage. And, of course, I was one that was called Go Backstage, and I thought, along with everybody else back there, I thought, well, I guess I didn't make it, because obviously the ones that made her on the stage. And we heard the director saying, thank you very much for coming out, and, but um, I'm sorry to say none of you guys made it. The actual cast is backstage. And so that, that was my entry into Broadway and the way they do things. And I, really, I was so naive and knew nothing about theater, uh, really nothing, and uh, totally green, and um, got in the show and uh, was an understudy to begin with. And then um, uh, I was just what they call the tribe, where I would sing, you know, mm-hmm. choruses and that sort of thing. But I always had my my eye on being the uh, being Claude Huber Bukowski because that was the that was the part that I liked. There was the vocals and the and the you know just the the spotlight and uh, the main the main guy, you know. So that was my desire to make it to that that place. And so I worked very hard at it, but um, it was in a uh, very intimidating sort of situation. Um, I remember as an understudy for another character called Wolf, um, I was actually cast as an understudy to begin with in a tribe guy. And one day, uh, the guy that played Wolf was sick. Well, I had never even seen his part because we were learning our choreographed things that we had to learn to be in the tribe and this guy was sick and the director called on me and uh said that i had to read the lines for and uh, to me it was like what does that even mean you know (laughs) so i get the script and they said well just go out and read the the lines well i i was like it was just so scary and i was unprepared and i started to to read and the guy the the uh, director said, get the F off the stage. I need an actor. Wow. Can you believe that? (laughs) Now, you know, that was, you know, something though, let me tell you, that was one of the biggest blessings in my life. As far as a direction, as far as creating in me, something that said that will never, ever happen to me again and I took this very seriously and I learned all the lines and I began to study acting on my own and I just I I was just overwhelmed with trying to get good at it you know and as a result uh, a few uh, couple months into it I guess they were in a situation where uh, there were not neither Claude or the uh, the uh, understudy for Claude were available and they gave me two days' notice to be ready for the part. Of course, I'd done the show before as Tribe, and I'd never done Wolf, really. Well, no, I maybe done Wolf a couple times, but I was used to it by this time. And um, they asked me to do it, and I thought, wow, what a great opportunity. And so I ended up just jamming for it, you know, just jamming to get the parts down and remember all the, all the dialogue and everything. And I did the show, and it just so happened that the Seattle Times uh, reviewer was there that night. And he gave me an extremely great review, and it was received really well. And at that point, the directors took note of me, and and uh, then we moved to Miami, and I became a, 
a quad understudy there, and then they did a road show for uh, Bus and Truck, the first uh, Broadway musical out on the road in all the cities in America and that sort of thing. And I was cast as Claude, and I got great reviews, and the show really prospered. And and uh, it was picketed by churches and members of... <laughs> You know, and I, of course, I didn't. I didn't understand why. I was like, "What do you mean? This is this is a cool show. Man. <laughs> uh, this is really cool. I mean, why do you guys hate this? It's all about peace and love, you know." But I, I didn't have the mind of Christ. I had the mind of the world, so I just couldn't figure that out. And uh, <clears throat> so it is ironic that uh, all of that experience, really, God was really giving me that to prepare me to use it for His glory and blood good. I, I, I totally, I understand, like like you, I understand, you know, people with the mind of Christ would oppose, and certainly certain aspects of it. I will confess right here for, for you guys and anybody who's going to hear this podcast, I have really loved most of the music up here, and, and there are songs that I will find myself singing even around the house to this day, um, uh-huh. but... Just talk about how God used that for you. And I'm sitting there thinking yeah. about, you know, there are different kinds of front men, right? And you've got the guys that, obviously, if you're going to be a front man of a band, you've got a great vocal. Not everybody, though, has that great front man presence, right, and the great dramatic presence. And, you know, you think of people maybe you know, like an Alice Cooper who's got that great stage presence. Um, David Coverdale uh, has had a great stage presence. Honestly, Ian Gillen, even when, to me, he was at his, his best in terms of purple uh, back in the day, not exactly the, the, the greatest front man in terms of maybe the drama and, and kind of the persona that you would maybe bring to that. Um, talk to us a little bit about the value of that in a blood good show and as, as part of the vehicle for really bringing the message. I mean, we can sit there and just read the lyrics if we wanted to, right? The blood good song uh, or any other song and say, well, there's value in that. I get that. It's, you know, it's a poem. I, I can get that. And then you put the music with it and we go, Oh, well, there's, there's something more here. There's, there's a richer, deeper layer. And then there's the live performance and the drama of that. Talk to us a little bit about how you felt that the drama uh, of the front man really aided and, and helped promote the message of the music. Yeah, it's really uh, pretty um, amazing that you mentioned Ian Gillen because he was one of those singers that uh, influenced me in life also. And uh, he just had a great rock voice, and then he ended up being the singer on Jesus Christ Superstar on the album, right? Right, right. Did you know, did you know that? Okay. So yeah. when I was in Hair, my uh, understudy was Jeff Fenholt. And Jeff Fenholt became Jesus on Broadway. Right, I remember that. Jesus yeah. Christ Superstar. And I, I was the lead in Hair, and it was this sort of an overlapping. And when Jesus Christ Superstar came... Well, that really trumped everything. It was huge. You know, my understudy all of a sudden was on the cover of Time magazine and in this $10,000 robe. And, of course, Jeff never really was an actor. He was more of a singer. And um, we were friends, and I went to see him in New York and all that. But the point I'm making is is that to get to that answer is it's, it's really funny that uh, I didn't make it as you know, I didn't get that job as Jesus on Broadway, but I was so close. I mean, it, I mean, it was that that that's how close it was, and I felt kind of like, oh, I I missed that. So that was one of those things that was tucked away in me, you know. So later on, when I did get saved, and and I had done performing with my wife for several years in clubs before we got saved, and we we did a theatrical show. I mean, before MTV, there was three cameras and big screen behind us. And we, we were actually choreographed by Kenny Ortega, who was in hair with me, actually. Well, he, he choreographed uh, Dirty Dancing, all the high school musicals, uh, did a movie, Hocus oh, okay. Salsa. Uh, he, yeah, he's just a famous director, choreographer. And he was my roommate 
on the road in hair. So anyway, I had all this influence. And when I got saved, I thought, you know, I, I've always just been infatuated with rock theater and, and musicals. So if I do this thing with Blood Good, I want to do it theatrically. I want to do all original music and I want to use things that, that really enhance the concert experience. And most of all, really portray the gospel in a very dramatic way. So that's how this came about. And I really had such a drive, I think, because, because I did miss out on being Jesus on Broadway. Not that I really had an attempt at making it, but you know, my understudy was the guy. So <laughs> I was very close, but so far away, you know. And after I got saved, then everything that I did prior to that was like, I guess it was embarrassing to me, all the, you know, all the rock stuff I did and everything. And it was just like, oh, that's so meaningless now that I know the Lord. And so after a time of reading the word and just growing in the Lord, a pastor, one of the pastors came to me and said, you should be singing. And I thought, well, where? I mean, who wants me? I'm, I want to sing about Jesus and I'm a rocker. So who wants, you know, who wants that? And, uh, and he said, well, I think you, you should be doing it. And then I met Michael Bloodgood, and there's a whole story behind that. But the day, from day one, getting into Bloodgood was original music, and I wanted to do theatrical, theatrical presentation. going over this unrehearsed in my mind and I'm sure. remembering I'm kind of seeing the Lord in all of these steps where it all pointed to one day serving him you know in this genre of heavy metal Christian music because I was really like hey I I don't really care to even perform anymore I just don't you know I just lost my desire there was no no point in being a rock star I just wanted to follow Jesus and then to have it given back that way was uh, just a, an incredible miracle to me. Um, and of course, you you guys know the track record of Bloodgood and what we've accomplished. But it was it was totally about him. It was like I didn't want to even sing anymore. But when I realized it was going to be about him and it was okay, then I was all in again. So, and uh, even after all these years, I really haven't done anything else you know um, well so, I mean I did I did some theatrical stuff and I did uh, one album with a friend that was a pop album with the bass player from Air Supply mm-hmm. Don Cromwell and we right, did a right. bunch like some See. pop music that we wrote and it was even some old blood good songs that I did but but theatrically, uh, we would do things like, um, you know, we would, we would just talk about, I would share what I'd learned in, the, uh, you know, in theater with the guys, and they were really into it, and they just took the direction, and so we just did things on stage that were probably not seen before, you know, um, when I play uh, Pontius Pilate, I'd come out, I'd have this robe and this, this olive wreath on my head, and I'd come out singing Crucify, you know. And then when I said I washed my hands with this man's blood, I'd turn around, throw the robe off, and then Mike and David would whip me with their guitars like they had whips, and they would whip me. And then I would fall down and they'd kick me. And it was all done in the middle of uh, Crucify. I come back to the last verse, we'd finish the song, and then we'd go into the Messiah. And I would talk about what took place and about the Isaiah prophesying 600 years before Christ what was going to happen about the, resurre- about the uh, crucifixion 
beaten bloody beyond recognition, nailed to a cross, spit on, pull his beard, you know, oh my God. And in a heavy metal concert with kids going, what? You know, this is, it was just, it was just a, an amazing way to reach their hearts for the Savior, for the, for the Messiah. And it's very effective. Oh, absolutely. It just, it just blew us away. I mean, night after night, we'd be doing that, and we'd be we'd be crying every night. <laughs> wow! And uh, and then after the shows, we we never played rock star. I mean, uh, we knew that there was a lot of adoration people after us and all that, and but we were always we were always um, out to meet the kids and and to talk. Uh, oh my gosh, you guys! David Safiro is calling me out of the blue. Would you? Can you imagine that? I can't remember. <laughs> hey, put him on speaker. Put him on speaker. We can interview him. Too. I don't know if I can. <laughs> That's all right. Oh no, go gosh. ahead. If you can take it, go I ahead. Should... Yeah. Well, okay. Let me just take it and then and I'll jump right back. Don't. Sure. I don't no lose problem. You guys. That's not a problem. I, he's yeah. gone. I think he's gone. But you can edit that out or you can leave that in. But if that is... Yeah. <laughs> well, there you go. That's how tight we are, okay? Yeah, you could have had him on speaker. He could have played and you could have sang. We could have just done a concert right here for the podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we could have done it. Yeah, David and... We're, we've all remained really close buddies. You know, David uh, uh, left the group after the first three albums. Yeah. Right, And then right. Out of the Darkness was the fourth album, and we brought in Paul Jackson. And, yeah. Uh, and, uh, but we've always been tight. We're all good friends. And, and then, you know, Oz Fox was in the mix, too, and he's a dear mm-hmm. friend. Yeah. And the very first Bloodgood concert was with Striper. <laughs> Yeah. So you know, one of the things, Les, that uh, I've always found refreshing about you when you sing or perform or in interviews um, or seeing you talk on video, it does, and, and this podcast is no exception to that, it doesn't take you long at all to start to use terms and phrases such as saved, born again, um, life-changing experience, um, and I, I, I believe I've heard you refer to it before um, so, so in, in some way like, um, you know, back then when we gave our life to the Lord, it wasn't just a, a change of religion. It was it was something huge. And I'm paraphrasing you there. So I apologize for yeah. that. Um, but That's fine. Can you can you like um, explain that a little bit more of that? Um, because the reason I ask that, you know, as a pastor and so forth. Um, those phrases, that terminology, and even that understanding doesn't seem to be as common, at least from my perspective, as it once was. Yeah, you know, Pastor, I understand that exactly. Um, I get it. Um, I, um, I, I've even been asking the Lord recently about um, giving me um, more opportunity to, to, to speak about him. And, and do it in a way that can reach a younger generation even, or older, or I don't care, whatever. But I, I want to be real. I want to be natural as a Christian. I don't want to just, you know, say, oh, this is my Christian, this is, you know, me as a Christian, and then I have my life. No, he is my life. Whether I use terms that are 30 years old, or, you know, I, I know I'm not hip, I'm just saved. And I am in love. And uh, it continues. <clears throat> and uh, so, excuse me. Sorry. But it's just, you know, I get emotional about, about what, uh, who he is, what he sure. does, what he has done for not just me, but everyone. Sure. And it's, yeah. It's, yeah. it's really alarming. It's alarming that so many people are missing what is so obvious. Hidden in plain sight is Jesus Christ. He's just he's right in front of everyone. And most are not getting it. 
and that's really tragic and it's 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 a major life and death situation as we know and then we have the you know the other christian artists that have been used all along the way and every one of us that do this that that talk about the lord are, are moved to sing and to glorify him as best we can we all fall short and all that everybody knows that uh but i don't I don't feel the need to find any fancy, cool, hip way to present him. You know, I, I just, just will present him how he comes out of my heart, how the Spirit speaks through me. And because that's the only thing of value. Anything that I could come up with uh, on my own accord would probably be cool, but maybe wouldn't have the sort of depth or contact that, the Holy Spirit has when he speaks through us. And I just rely on that. I'm just, you know, I just rely on it because I, sure, I'm not, sure. I, I, I'm not in my own way. I'm not so intellectually together that I can just spew it out and be really eloquent about everything. So I rely on the King of Kings to do it for me. And that's fine. Fine with me. And I, I hope people get it. <laughs> You know, I hope they understand that that without Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, there aren't options. There are not. There are no other options when it comes to Judgment Day and life and death. It, there's just no other option. And uh, you know, I know that that's not popular with the world view, but um, it's the truth. So. Yeah, so it's really urgent, and it's and it's current, and it's hip, and it's now, and that's why the blood good music still works because we've based all of it on the Word of God, which is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and it's always going to be current. You know, it's not like well they sang about that back in the eighties. No, this is uh, they'll sing about this in twenty twenty, twenty forty, whatever. Uh, they'll sing, you know, as long as you're singing about the Lord Jesus Christ, you're, you're in time. <laughs> you know, you're current. Well, and so, you know, Wildman, we've said this multiple times with each other and, and with other guests, that it just seems that hard rock and metal, at least us, uh, is particularly well-suited to that message because the message of the gospel is is so uncompromising. It it is so clear. This is what it is, and and the style of music uh, of hard rock and metal to us really seems to go with that. But I I've got to tell you, and we, if you don't mind, we're going to get a little maybe a little bit personal here. And and while man, we may edit this out. I don't know, but I got to tell you, Les, God's been using you in my life literally over the last probably 48 hours. Um, wow. I was, because Blood Good fan, listened to you guys, you know, for, for well, about 30 years or so back in the 80s. But I recently came across um, the eulogy that you gave for your son, Jeff. Okay. And um, that was such a powerful thing in fact, I, you can make the argument all the music combined couldn't equal what you said in that eulogy. And my son's a college freshman, um, home now for summer, and uh, I called him in and I said, I want to show you this, what a dad was able to say about his son. And and I can say my my son knows the Lord and and, and our, my daughter as well. But I said I just want you to see this because as a dad, it, it it blessed me so much to hear you say what you said about your son. So there was that level, which was very mm-hmm. emotional for me and, and meant so much to me. But then you're just unabashed. Exactly what Wildman was just asking about message about getting saved there are no options here 
<laughs> this, mm-hmm. this, this is what it is. We're not <laughs> playing around here. And I love what you said in, in the eulogy, you know, the number of people that would, you know, basically, you know, yeah, basically like shaking hands with Jesus. Oh, yeah, I know him, and then go their separate way. That's not mm-hmm. the same thing. And, yeah. and just God has been doing some work in my own life right now. Um, and I've been walking with the Lord for forever, but mm-hmm. taking me to a deeper place in terms of, of holiness and, and mm-hmm. relationship with the Spirit. And things that you said have, have, really, um, have really touched that, and God has been using that uh, just with me. So I'll, this is really just, I guess, this is a word, not so much a question, but just a word of encouragement. Keep doing it. Keep doing it. Yeah. Uh, because you're right, it's timeless, and, and uh, God will use it with anybody. Yeah, um, I, I have to say, you know, I would, I would be fine that you don't edit this out because I think it's really important. Again, I want to glorify the, the Lord in this because when my son died, um, I was uh, just crushed, like crushed. And, and God was so good. It was almost like I got born again because he was, I, I felt his presence with me so strongly. And I realized what it was like to walk with him in times of trouble. So, so anyway, all of this to say, he comes through every time for us. He never fails us. He does promise persecution. He promises trials. But he also promises that he'll never leave us or forsake us. And when I needed him the most, he was right there. I can't even, I can't really describe in great detail what that meant. But it was so real to me that um, it, it gave me peace. I was able when people were calling to see how I was, I don't know, the, I was able to speak life into their lives and they were blown away. How can you be encouraging to me? You lost your son. And there's only one reason, and that's Christ, the reality of Christ, the reality of who he is. He's a good friend. He's a good father. You know? And, I mean, again... Who, who wouldn't want to take the opportunity to get to know a God like this? Because certainly none of us could say, oh, I had the power of, of birth and I had the power of death. You don't have those powers. You don't know how long you're going to live. You don't know anything. The world tells you that you're a god or whatever, that you've got to, you know, just do these things. You'll be fine. No, no, that's that's not it. That's not it. You're going to need help on this one. To transition from life to death, to, to you know, through death to life, eternal life, there's a way to it. There's a formula. There is a proven path, and it's Jesus. There's no other way. And so if you don't go there, then what are you going to do? You feel like you just got... You know, you can't get in. You're just not going to make it. So it's pretty important. And, and praise God, my, my son was saved. And my son was saved in a Blood Good Striper concert, actually the one at the Paramount. Timmy Gaines led my son to the, to the Lord. Wow. And, wow. and uh, you know, it, it's just, and Timmy told me, he says, oh, he says, Jeff was the only kid I ever led to the Lord. I said, well, that's fine, Tim. That works for me. <laughs> wow. So so uh you know the fact is he was he was born again he was saved. And uh so yeah. So I I grieved and I still grieve it's just hard it's the worst thing. But <clears throat> you know God was so gracious and why you know honestly people say well oh it's so horrible that your son is gone and and I go, yeah, it's horrible for me, but for my son, he's in paradise. I mean, it okay. couldn't get much better than that. 
Yeah. I mean, we don't, we can't even conceive of that. You know, it's yeah. way way over our heads, way over our heads. But it's a much better place than here. Well, yeah. and I love I love that part where you were you talked about you know laying your hand on him and and praying for you know Jesus to bring him back. And, mm-hmm. and the two things about that I thought that were such a powerful witness in, in answering maybe questions for some people that, that might have them, it, it didn't happen. And some people might respond, well, see, your God is false. There really is no God. And your response mm-hmm. to that was, not at all. I, I knew he could do it. Right? I knew yeah. that he could do it. I had absolute faith that he could do it. And mm-hmm. then, though, the realization, you're sitting there going, but wait a minute. Why? Right? Why? This, again, would be about me. Sure, I would mm-hmm. want him back from my mm-hmm. perspective, but just as you just said, from my son's perspective, he's getting to, to hang with Jesus right now. And <laughs> I, I thought that was so, yeah. so beautiful, and I think, I think that, again, that piece alone would really help a lot of people who are going through a, a situation like that or help them come to understand that, what that really yeah. means. Yeah, it it really did. It really felt it really felt like I had interrupted a conversation. You know, nobody was mad at me, but I, you know, we've all been in a situation where you you wanted to say something to somebody real quick, and you thought it was really uh, important and exciting. You just kind of burst in and said it, and realized, oh, you've just interrupted somebody in conversation, and uh, usually that's received as being rude. But in this case. It was just received in love, and, and I understood that there was a conversation going and that I wasn't going to interfere with my son being with Jesus. Don't ask me to come back. What's <laughs> 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 up <down> there? <laughs> you, you know, Les, uh, um, something I've wanted to ask you about uh, for some time and one of the reasons I was excited, uh, one of the many reasons I was excited to have you on the show. Um, to give a little backstory here, um, obviously I'm a rocker because that's the, uh, that's the music that I like. That's why we have a podcast like this, and I've always been one. I had my electric guitar when I was in high school, loved the rock, and it took me a while when metal bands would come out with ballads to um, kind of accept the ballads because I just wanted to rock on every song. I say yeah. that to say, to say that when Dangerously Close came out, um, I got it right away. And in the vein of what you're talking about here, the song crushed me. Um, even, mm-hmm. though it's, yeah. even though it's not the rocker necessarily, it was, that song has stuck with me. And I would have to say, of all of the Blood Good songs, I would probably say that's my favorite. And I think the reason that I would say that is because you can tell, even before I knew the backstory behind the song, I could sense the sincerity, I could sense the truth. It was, it was so um, uh, transparent of saying, of a, of a prayer that says, Lord, crush me and then give me life again. And telling that to the world where the world is saying, similar to what Steve was just saying, that the world is saying, well, if your God loves you, he wouldn't let bad things happen, where you were saying the opposite. You were saying, Lord, crush me until you can give me life again. Um, Can you take a couple moments and just share your heart about that song? Well, um, yeah, the the song, uh, my son actually heard that song with me. We listened to it together. Wow. I didn't realize really where it was coming from. You know, it just came out of me. Um, the, the, to do Dangerously Close was, a, the album was, a, it was a difficult uh, album to do because there was a lot of, um, you know, time where we'd been apart and then we'd come together to do this and we're all good friends and everything, but the, there was directions, people within were, the directions were a little bit different, and and um, uh, so anyway, "Crush Me" came out of just the sort of circumstances. And really, there's nothing wrong with the guys in Blood Good; everything's fine. I'm just saying that it was, sometimes when you get very talented artistic people together, there can be struggles to to create 
music, you know, which is a good thing. But um, uh, that song just came out of out of an emotional thing. That, but I didn't really understand what it really meant. Totally. Until my son passed away, and then I felt that it was prophetic. Mm-hmm. It was like a, a pre-shadowing of something that I didn't hadn't seen. Wow! And I don't claim wow. to be. I don't claim to be a prophet, but that's or anything like that. Please, I'm not saying that, but I am saying that it, that's how good God is. That he he's always he's always leaving little signs, and and I've noticed this in my life that. A lot of times, some of the greatest, most thoughtful things that happen, happen just prior to, before you lose somebody. You know, God's gracious. He knows it's coming. And uh, so my son, um, just before Thanksgiving, we were in Las Vegas, uh, a family vacation with uh, my daughter and her husband, because he works for the, uh, he's a lineman, and he was going to school there. And we had a timeshare there, so we went there. It was our granddaughter's uh, first birthday, our first granddaughter. And Jeff got, my son Jeff, got to see her walk for the first time, Uncle Jeffy. And, um, and David Sphero was there in Vegas, and he was mastering it, so I went early. And then my son came with the family and everybody. We, we spent a couple days there and even had Thanksgiving with David and Susan Sphero and had a wonderful time, mastered the, the album. And then... And then Jeff and I had decided, let's ride home together because mom will go in the other car with the grandma and everybody else. And you and I will we'll go together and drive back listening to Dangerously Close for the first time from beginning to end, which we love to do, listen to music, you know. And he said, yeah, Dad, okay, let's do that. But before we do it, let's listen to some of the other albums that you like. Let's do, like, let's listen to some Beatle albums and then listen to this, that, and the other. And then, and then we'll do Dangerously Close so that we kind of get an idea of where it sits in the production and everything. And so my uh, son and I were coming back, and we did those things, and we played the album. And at the end of the album... He just looked at me and said, Dad, that's the best Blood Good album I've ever heard. That's just amazing. I think you've really, really hit another level. So here's my son coming home with me. Thank you, Jesus, for that time. Then when we got home, we actually had Thanksgiving together, Joyce and I and and, uh, Jeff. Just before we were going to go, you know, Thanksgiving's Thursday, we were leaving Friday for Germany for that concert in Germany. So we had spent this intimate time together and, and hugged him, said goodbye. And uh, I remember he said, go to Germany and give him Jesus, Dad. He said, okay. And so, so then I did that. We were gone for just a few days, came back, and, and then all of a sudden he was gone. So it was, um, so then Crush Me really meant something big to me at that point. Um, but even before, you know, that's what God does. He, he crushes us. Jesus was crushed. You know, he was persecuted. He was crushed. It's, people think it's horrible. No, it's not. I mean, it is horrible. Yes, but it's, it is preparing us to be like who? Like Jesus. How are we going to be like Jesus if we don't suffer a little bit? You know? And Jesus was not just suffering. He was full of joy, too. He's, he's the whole gambit. He's, he's everything. So it all tied together. And, and, um, but, yeah, I, I was very emotional when I sang the song. And, and, uh, and um, I think it's got, it's got good lyrics and a, and a good, you know, good message. In a catalog that is just killer nonstop. In fact, I tweeted out the other day, uh, one of the things I like to do, I'll take an artist and just go back and listen to every album from the first to whatever is the most recent, just listen through to their discography and love doing that. And I started doing that again uh, with Blood Good. And I tweeted out, I said, there is simply not a bad song in the catalog. But having said that, yeah, Dangerously Close is just off the hook. It, it is it is killer. But, you know, you, you mentioned 
you mentioned a couple things that I want to tie together here. You mentioned Las Vegas, and you mentioned mm-hmm. Oz Fox, and mm-hmm. I know both of you guys, and, and with Oz's connection to Vegas, you guys have also both worked with an up-and-coming band, Chaotic Resemblance. Uh, oh, yeah. I had them on the show, um, uh, and, and I'd interviewed them a couple years ago uh, myself. Talk to us a little bit about where you see, uh, especially Christian hard rock and metal. Um, are, are we in a good state right now? We got uh, good stuff coming up. Do you think we're going through some lean years right now? Uh, what, what's the state of up and coming Christian rock and metal? Um, yeah, you know, I'm not really sure, but in regards to chaotic resemblance, those guys are just. There's nobody like them. The, the closest band to them that I could even think about would be the early Blood Good guys. Um, they are absolutely passionate, sold out for Jesus. That's their sole purpose. It's what they do. And I highly endorse them. I know them uh, quite well, spent a lot of time with them. I even sang on their last album, one of the, one of the songs. And they're, just, they are, they're for real. They're the real deal. Uh, Travis and in LA, and John the drummer uh, is uh, I don't know the bass player now because I think they have a different one. But those two guys, uh, Travis in LA, the founders are just amazing, beautiful, humble, uh, great men of God. So uh, yeah, so they wherever they go is holy ground, and wherever they go, they are going to preach the gospel. So. <laughs> I don't know if that's going to be the direction. Um, there's another thing called sort of modern metal and speed metal and all that kind of stuff. That, um, I, to be honest with you, I'm not really aware of all of that. I can tell you, though, for a fact right now, in my conversations with Michael Bloodgood, is that we want to write some more music and we want to be, um, we want to be attentive to what's going on and open up our ears to the most current sounds and producers and, you know, whatever's out there, and then give it, uh, give it blood good, you know. Um, mm, cool. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, we, we both are really um, excited about that. See, the thing is, is that I was just about ready, after Dangerously Close, I was just about ready to say, okay, this is it. This is what we've done. This is an amazing album. And it's a good thing to go out on, you know. And um, and when I stood at the foot of my son's coffin, I changed my mind. I said, no, I'm going to sing until I die for the Lord. But I was pretty much ready to give it up. Just because, you know, I feel old and, like, our time has passed. <laughs> but well, that's not true. <laughs> that's not say, true. Maybe the devil right. is trying to tell bunch of metal heads out there I think uh, they would disagree with uh, with that uh, we we say keep it keep it coming we want to hear it yeah what well, I, I appreciate kind of follow up yeah kind of follow up on that though um, you know you talked about you're getting started I mean a band even back at 15 and then obviously you know you had the musical theater uh, thing going on what practical advice would you give to a band like Chaotic or any, any other uh, young folks coming up or say, you know what, I've got a fire for the Lord. I can tell that he's given me some gifts. Uh, he's laid that passion in my heart to use those musical gifts uh, to serve him. So they got that going mm-hmm. on. they got the chops, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and they've got the yeah. message. Now, in terms of the, the practicalities and, and just the, the way to do music today, what would be some advice you might give some folks? Well, for any any guys that want to be like that are Christian artists that feel called to the ministry to do that, you know, and there are several. Oh, to me, it's just make sure that you just you know that you really understand that you're supposed to seek first the kingdom of God, and then all things will be given unto you. I mean, it's just you know, if you don't have if you're if you're going down the track and you got one wheel off, you know, it's, the train is still moving, but it's not moving real smooth, you know. It, you know, everything's got to be on track. So for any of us, no matter whether we're musicians or actors or people that work in regular uh, 
businesses, uh, you know, if we're followers of Christ, that's got to be on track. For, to get the whole economy of life, that's how it's got to be. So if you're going to minister the gospel, you need to make sure that you're really on track. And what happens is, is that some get kind of full of themselves in the image or whatever, or just caught up in it, in the hype. And, and I'm not saying that's a bad thing, except that it can take away from moving ahead full steam, you know, where you're really, really doing it. You're really accomplishing. And you're not, uh, you know, you're not being sidetracked if you're, if you're there, if you're staying in the Word and you're staying in fellowship and prayer, you know, with, with the Lord. So, so that's really essential because we experienced a time in, as Bloodgood where, you know, we had problems with the record company at one point and we were dissatisfied and we weren't getting backing and we got a little bit frustrated and we got a little bit, you know, it really, it, it sidetracked us. It, it, it hurt us in our hearts and it, and it made us lesser men of God. Now, I mean, not that we did anything weird, but I can remember being so upset with the record company and going, we're preaching the gospel. Why don't they want to help us? They say they're Christians. They're not helping. They're, they're not giving us the money we need, blah, blah, blah. And that became a distraction. Well, guess what? That happens everywhere. That happens in the world. It happens in the Christian realm. It, hap- it happens. Get over it. But don't, you know, don't forget your first love because then you can be, you can be actually knocked off your game a little bit. You know? It's because God doesn't care who's right or wrong. He cares about the heart in the matter. And so I would just always say, whatever, whatever we do, just make sure our heart's right before the Lord in it. Yeah, and yeah, we're all going to make mistakes and we're all going to fall short. Don't condemn yourself. But don't mix anything into it that takes away from everything he has for us. I don't know. Does that make sense? It, it, sure. Uh, yeah. I think that's some of the most solid advice, especially, you know, well, non-Christian music, you know, someone who's in the music industry, they're not going to understand that anyhow. They're going to understand really anything that you said. But a Christian musician, take that to heart. Um, yeah, seek first the kingdom of God, his righteousness. All that other stuff is going to work, work out in, in one way or another. That, that was really solid. Yeah. And then, having said that, when you hit that stage, have the time of your life. I mean, let's get crazy up there. Let's get loose. Let's be reckless abandoned. Let's yeah. be better than the world. Let's be sure, real. Let's sure. be honest. Let's not hold back. You know, if you're going to scream, scream from your guts, man. Yeah. You know, because it's all his. And you have the right to be there. So go for it. You know, pour wow. it out, man. <laughs> so, let's, uh, you know, um, one of the things uh, that I'd like for us to do here as we're going to be wrapping up the show here in a couple moments. And uh, Steve can uh, acknowledge that we've never really uh, closed out this way, but um, I kind of am sensing there's a way we should close this podcast out. And, you know, this, your heart and what you explained about salvation, being born again, and the difference that Christ can make in your life, um, there's no question that once this podcast is published, that there's going to be somebody listening to this saying, what does that mean? Um, How do I do that? And so, Les, I would just ask you just for, if you could just take two minutes just to share with the person who's out there who's struggling, who's lost, and doesn't know Christ, if you could just share with them what they need to do to find what we're talking about here. Yeah. You know, you are so valuable. And the world would tell you that you're not worth much, that there's a million people like you, that you want things, and you're not going to get the things that you want. 
and that you have to measure up or you weren't given this sort of look or you may not have this or that or whatever. And you think that you don't have a lot of value and you're so wrong about that. You need to, you need to discover your value. You know, if somebody loves you so much that they're willing to even, like, die for you. I mean, why would anybody die for you unless they were so in love and realized true value? Now, if this is coming from the Creator, if this is coming from Jesus Christ who died on a cross, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh. This is what I'm talking about right now. This is what he did. He is the Lamb of God. He came to earth. He walked and talked and lived, ate and slept here on earth. And then he went to a cross. And then he said, as he was dying, he said, paid in full. And you know who he was talking about? He's talking about you, beautiful person broken and feeling sad and lost. He's talking about you. He's saying, come to me. Just come to me. And I will give you life. And life more abundant. That's, that's who I'm talking about. There's no one in the history of mankind that fits in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word became, was God and the Word became flesh. There's no one that fits in that category. No one except for Jesus Christ. So find your value by coming to the cross. Come to Jesus Christ and find out who you are. Actually, you know what? You don't even have to go to church. Just ask Jesus Christ. Ask Jesus Christ himself until you get an answer. Read the Bible, yes. You know, ask questions, but your questions that are really going to have to be answered are going to come directly from the Holy Spirit himself. And Jesus says, just knock on the door. Just keep knocking, keep knocking. It will be open to you. And when it's open to you, you're going to be in a position to realize, wow, there's way more to this than I knew. And when he meets you and you meet him, you will be transformed. You'll be transformed into thinking godly thoughts instead of self-thoughts. You won't be self-conscious. You'll be God-conscious. And until you're God-conscious, nothing really is going to make sense. It's like trying to create a puzzle and having a missing, missing piece. The answer to everything is Christ, Jesus. In the beginning, that's what the Word says. He died and rose from the grave. That's not just what the Bible says. That's historical accounts of non-biblical writings at the time. It really happened, folks. So, anyway, become a little detective now and do some research. But ask him yourself. Ask him if he's God to prove himself to you, to reveal himself to you, and he will. Um, we want to thank you for taking the time. We are very honored and humbled that you were willing to take this time to share with us today. And, uh, folks, um, you can continue to look at what him and Bloodgood are doing at bloodgoodband.com. Um, Les, you alluded to a couple things. Is there anything specific coming up, or is, is it mostly just right now you and uh, Michael are in the works um, working on new projects coming up? Yeah, we're, we're writing new material, you know, because of the COVID-19 thing. We had uh, dates in Switzerland and Mexico and in the Midwest, you know, so all those things were canceled and moved to next year. Um, so we were all fired up, ready to go, and this is going to be a very big year for us. The movie is out, Trenches of Rock. You know, I know it's, uh, it's available. Uh, it should be streaming here possibly this year. I'm not really sure because we didn't produce that, that uh, album, I mean that movie. That's, that's not one of our products. That is uh, Michael Bloodgood's son, Paul Bloodgood, who uh, directed and produced that. 
But anyway, that's the story of Bloodgood. Um, but it looked like it was going to be this huge year, and then COVID-19 came. So we're all on the same boat there. But I'm thinking that uh, next year um, things will be back to normal, possibly. Maybe a little different, but, you know, we'll be able to play. And so we want to at least continue to write and present uh, music uh, for the world to listen to. And, uh, yeah, that's basically what we're doing. Well, great. And, again, folks, I would recommend the Trenches of Rock uh, DVD. Um, I know when that when I first heard about that coming out, I was excited. And uh, something happened with my, and this is not a complaint, I'm just, uh, just being real here, something happened with my order. I had to wait um, a while. It was back-ordered for some reason. I forget exactly what happened. I kept getting emails from the company letting me know. And I, I say that to say that when it did come, it was well worth the wait. Um, the, the, the Trenches of Rock DVD is an incredible documentary of your history, everything that Bloodgood faced, and, and the, the most uh, inspiring thing uh, about Bloodgood, you and Michael and David Zafiro um, standing in the midst of that opposition and still pushing forward with the, with the uh, heavy metal message for Christ. Uh, you know, the, the, the story where you had... Um, uh, Satanists on one side praying against you, and you had um, Christians on the other side praying against you. That's just an incredible spot to be in, I would say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and uh, yeah, that's it. I'm, I'm, I'm surprised that we're even halfway normal after that. <laughs> <laughs> Well, hey, again, thank you for joining us. Well, I guess one of, the most re- one of the most redeeming factors is, is that we don't have to wear spandex anymore, so that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's coming back, but, you know. <laughs> we just did it to reach the loss. Come on, you know. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. We had to be believable, you know. Yeah. So, anyway, it's really a pleasure talking with you guys. Yeah, it's been great. We really appreciate your time. It was so refreshing to hear Les Carlson share about his history and how God moved in his life. Les pulls no punches when it comes to the gospel because he experienced Christ firsthand. Once someone experiences Christ in this way, there is no looking back and it leads to a sincere desire to share the same with others. As followers of Jesus, this is not an option. All of us are called to do the same. May we do so. Thank you for listening, everybody. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review at wildmanandsteve.com.